Let's breathe out first. Um, but not Sunday school, right? Not. I want real specific, personal. Let's go. We can go back as far as the beginning of the year, but in the last 15 days, how have you needed wisdom? Have you needed God's advice? Have you, how have you needed? Uh, why have you needed the wisdom of God? And your silence isn't going to bother me at all. All right, typical though, when somebody, when a friend comes to us for advice, or you go to a friend for advice, typically what do you get? You, you get to tell them your experience, or you tell them what you think they want to hear, right? But having the wisdom of God helps me know what to say, what not to say, that kind of thing. Have you needed it? Let's don't let Kelly carry the whole burden on that. Tell me something that's... It's, it's going to be tougher. Um, but if we can do it, if we can breathe it out, then when we breathe in the wisdom, it'll, it'll, make, it'll help us better, right? It'll make, it more, it'll make it more real, more personal to us. What's trapped you? What's caused you to get trapped? What's caused you to get into that rut? Or what rut? I'll let you answer either way. What kind of rut? What kind of trap? My job. Thinking that I need to stay here and finish till 7 o'clock at night when I have other things that I could be doing and that shouldn't be my priority. Okay. What's your rut? Cares of the world. Give me an example. Well, just concentrating a lot more on my work and success than being righteous. And you're, we're going to hear a lot about that today out of 15. A lot about that in 15. All right, back to the, go ahead.
Last call. Have you needed wisdom? What ways did it help? I think I got an answer right here for you. You, pro <laughs> you We provide music for our answers here. You know. I'm telling you folks, you have never been to a church. We provide background noise. <laughs> that was perfect timing. Did you do that on purpose? All right. Go. <laughs> On, on meeting all those requirements. And now that uh, I have more freedom, uh, I find myself going to some of those things that I never had time for. But uh, I think that the wisdom of, of how I spend my time is, is probably something I need to work on. I don't know that I can give you a particular example. And so you're going to say, well, then you can't make us give you a particular example. Don't believe that. I'm still coming after you. But I started this year especially, and I guess the best way to illustrate it, I've had three or four people in the last week to ten days. One of them was a brother yesterday that said, Rex, I love you, but you're too nice. And I thought, I didn't think you could be too nice. But the point he made to me was I was, in this situation, what he was talking about, was I wasn't being um, wise. I wasn't being um, tough enough. And I've told you before, growing up, the emphasis in my life, especially when I first started learning about Jesus when I was in college, was about on Jesus being available and Jesus being kind and Jesus helping people and that kind of stuff. And I wanted to be like that. Then after I blew my life up and I kept looking at Jesus, I began to notice that Jesus was, there was some, there's a tough side to Jesus. And it's one of the things that we talk about here on a regular basis. Uh, I am not nearly as nice as I need to be but I'm way more nice than I am tough, and I need to be tougher. I need, by the wisdom of God, you know what I mean. I'm not being, talking about being mean, I'm not talking about being hateful, but to be tougher, to make the will of God, His wisdom, um, what directs me, what affects me, what changes the way, affects the way I deal with people, even if they're not happy, even if they don't like it. And that the old people pleaser in me sure hates to have to deal with that. But that's what I need wisdom for. Let's, uh, I'm going to ask Jimmy if he would to pray. One of the things God taught us that if we need wisdom, let's ask. He'd give it to us. So, but we breathe that. We've said, God, we need your wisdom in these areas. And we didn't even touch the hem of the garment on how, you, how we really feel. But now let's ask God for that wisdom. And then we're going to read 15 and let God teach us. Let God give us wisdom all right father we we approach your your throne with uh, with cautiousness because of how great 
trust you with confidence that uh, uh, you are not only the creator of the universe, but you're our, our father. And then I have to call you Abba Father. Father, that's, that's even more personal. We're just thankful uh, that you're willing to, to listen to us, that you're willing to, uh, to communicate with us, not only through the word, but uh, uh, and into our hearts with your word. And Father, we, we need wisdom. We don't, uh, we, we, if we spend much time with you in your word, we know how wise you are. Father, as we deal with things in this life, uh, we need to understand uh, what to do with uh, the knowledge that we have and what we need to do with the time that you've given us. And, and Father, I, I don't even understand uh, all the depths of the, the wisdom that you have, but we just uh, realize, Father, that we need, we need to be wise as you're wise. Uh, you've made us holy as you're holy. But we need to be, uh, we need to understand uh, what we can do and with those around us that can uh, illuminate uh, the light of uh, your wisdom and the light of uh, the wisdom of your Son. And Father, we just ask as we study through uh, your Proverbs that you will help us to do that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Don't ask me anything else. Thank you for letting us know. Uh, mood music for a prayer is a whole new thing. It's a new, new thing we're trying here to see if we can. You got your Bibles? Go to 15. We've got enough fresh faces this morning. Let me take just a second. Early, 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 early in my life from my Bible class teacher. You're gonna, I'm going to introduce you to her today, Miss Nichols. She's long gone on to glory, but she taught me Proverbs 15.1. Uh, I don't know any other memory verses that she taught us. She taught my Bible class for years. She was my second grade Bible class teacher, or second grade teacher in school, but also my Bible school teacher. And she, I don't know if there, I don't know any other verses that she taught us, but she taught us this one, and I memorized it early, early, early in my life. Didn't say I practiced it, but I memorized it. And in that old Bible, it was a soft answer, turns away wrath, uh, but a harsh word stirs up anger. She taught me that, and there was something about because I learned that from her, and I saw it in my parents. Something about that verse stuck in my head. I, I didn't say I practiced it. I just said that's what I, I, I learned it. I heard it anyway. It stuck with me. Well, it started with me, for me, a fascination with Proverbs. All my life, I've wanted to know the Proverbs. And I've read the Proverbs from time to time, over and over and over again. Sometimes I've preached them back when I was a preacher. But Jeff told you, when my life blew up, when I just wrecked my life, and I wanted to get back rebuilding my life, I started with the Proverbs. I, sitting on the same bed with, in that same room where I'd grown up, living back with my parents with no life, no hope of a life, I started reading the Proverbs with this thought, God, I need you to help. I need you to do your thing. I need you to, I want to do it your way. I want to learn to do it your way because I can't do it my way. Look what my way led me to. 
it, it ruined me. I need, to, I need to agree with you, basically. And I started reading them again. Now, they were not easy. Listen, folks, if you're, really, if you're reading Proverbs to help rebuild your life, it's not going to be fun reading. It's not warm and fuzzy. It'll get you by the scruff of the neck, and it'll, it'll shake you. It'll smack you around. It'll help, but it will not always feel good. Well, I started reading the Proverbs trying to rebuild my life. And then when we began to meet, when that little group began to meet in my home, and then when we met down out by the Boom Boom, and then we met here, we committed, and y'all didn't have any choice, but we committed every year, sometime during the year, we would devote ourselves to reading and discussing the Proverbs because we wanted to seek the wisdom and will of God. Now, I don't know what how it is for most of you. And y'all are, I don't think y'all probably have ever done anything wrong, but that second group, they need this stuff bad, right? I know that in this room and in the, neck, in the folks that are going to be here the next hour and the folks that are going to be here the next hour, part of what wrecked my life was following impulses and not doing things wise. And so I needed it. So we're going to keep doing this. Every year we do this. And there's several of us right now reading every week, every day, we're reading that chapter from the Proverbs to seek His wisdom. That's all we're going to do today. We're going to read 15, and then I'm going to let you share with me or share with us what you heard God say, all right? Miss Nichols taught me this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I've written in the margin of my Bible, Miss Nichols taught me this, and my mother lived this. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A fool spurns his father's discipline, and whoever heeds correction shows prudence. The house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings them trouble. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. Stern discipline awaits him who leaves the path, who hates correction, will die. Death and destruction lie open before the Lord, how much more the hearts of men. A mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on a folly. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fatted calf with hatred. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight path. 
fail, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. The path of life leads upward for the wise to keep him going down from the, to the grave. The Lord tears down the proud man's house, but keeps the widow's boundaries intact. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but those who are poor are pleasing to Him. A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. A cheerful heart, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. In those words from God, in those words from the Father to the Son about how to live life, how to please God, how to have, raise a family, how to choose a mate, how to build a business, how to live life for God. There's wisdom. So what'd you hear? What'd you hear? Again, personal, specific, not interested in Sunday school stuff. Tell me what you heard. And it may be one that you've heard before, like the one I did. It may be one that you had never heard before. Thought, man, I hadn't thought about that. I, that would have helped me. That could have really changed my life. Or maybe it reminded you of something that you've forgotten and you need to remember. What'd you hear? Let's start with the hot-tempered one, okay? Let's, let's start with the hot-tempered one. You see the verse? Everybody got it? It's 18. Let's look at it one more time. We sometimes think our temper is going to help us. We think our temper is going to protect us. What does it say temper does here? It causes trouble. Because once your temper shows... the other person's temper shows, right? And it's like pouring gas on the fire. It's like feeding that beast. What does a patient man do? What does a wise man do? Read the next phrase. What does a patient man do? He calms the quarrel. He doesn't jump in. He calms it. He lets things go back to normal. He brings peace to that situation. Because that then, and only then, can you work out some kind of solution. What caught your attention? Which one of these just grabbed your attention and said, Man, I needed that. I, that helped me. Make it okay 
for me to say that, to be that way with them. I need to check myself first and be responsible for what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm behaving, <coughs> regardless of how they're going to act. And I, I, our house is full right now, and it's tough. It makes it tough. And so it's hard sometimes uh, to not just, because I can't take it back. And uh, I wind up hurting them or making them angry or uh, we're not going to let Catherine carry the whole load on this anybody else in this room anybody else in this room ever find yourself able to speak more gently kinder to strangers to outsiders than to the person that you claim to love the most why does that happen? Let's talk about it. Because it happens. It, it, we, you testified to it. We, it. Why? Why does that happen? Where does that come from? I think we, some, I was, this came up the other day and I was thinking about it. I think, and maybe also speak for me, I take advantage of, like, say, Nisa, because I know she loves me and she's not going to leave and all this, and so I, but I take advantage of that situation. And so I just, bleh. Um, you know, whatever it is, and I don't give her my best, you know, and I think that's good. I mean, I have confidence in her and, and things like that, but I ought to be, because of the way she treats me and who she is, I ought to be better about that and not take advantage of her that way. Why does she do it? Why do we do it? Why is that? Well, you think that you know you can't control those other people, but you have the illusion that you think you can control your thinking. There's some wisdom there. We just heard some wisdom. We heard some wisdom there. We have the. Everybody want to say that three times? Illusion, illusion. Could we have some mood music to make sure we remember that? Uh, we have the illusion, and there's another word implied in that, and, and it's like. Um, it was built in when Kelly said, I know that Nisa's this and Nisa's not going to do that. That's a expectation. It's an assumption. It's, we have an expectation of that person as if we have no obligation to them to help them maintain that confidence, right? You've got to stand here and take it, you know. <laughs> You gotta go to get in my car and go home with me, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Last call. Why do we do that? Any well, in, honest, and I'm not talking theory. Why do we do that? Why do you do that? Not why do we? Forget we. I think sometimes uh, we might be concerned about how we appear to people. Uh, we put on our best behavior because we want to leave a certain impression. But then when we get home, you know, all bets are off. We don't care. There's something there. I don't yeah, and that, I want us, we've just testified to it one more time. Give me one more reason. Why does that happen? We want our, and I watched it, I, I worked with a guy who was an incredible grouch, hateful, rough as a cob, cussed like a truck driver. 
And I've got a son who's a truck driver, so I know. I mean, he would, this guy was rough. But the person, whoever he was working for, he was a builder. And so when the, the homeowner would show up, it was like angels sang, heaven, the sun appeared. Oh, and he would, his tone would change. How are you? In fact, you would look at him like, who is that? I never seen that guy before. What happens? Why did we do that? Why does the person, why does the person outside get better treatment than the person inside? Yeah, I don't want, them to, don't want them to fire me. We have a captive audience. The truth is, and, and all of those things you're saying are right, I mean, it's we have that expectation of them, and we don't have it of ourselves. And we have motivation for the person on the outside, and we forget that there is a motivation for the inside. I told you before, I, I lived, my mother's been gone four years, I'm 64, so I lived with her and my dad when they were together. I lived 60 years knowing them. Now the first few years I don't remember much, of course, but in 64 years, or 60 years, I never heard them have a harsh word with each other. Now, were there some harsh words? If you knew my mom and dad, you know that there were some harsh words somewhere, but I never heard them. It's about choice, right? It's about making a choice. I am not going to speak this way to the person that I care about. Tell me what you read. Let's go back to the original question. What would you hear? What did God say to you? What, what caught your attention? Well, that's just going to be too general, but uh, as you were reading through that, I, it kept bringing me that you would read one, and I would think back to one of the earlier summarizing here of, uh, of other things and I think if we put this into our, into our mind and our heart that uh, we'll be able to make better application as we go over and over. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed the repetition? Uh, I've, I've marked some of them. Verse 31, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be, will be at home with the wise. Proverbs 12, 1 says if you hate correction, you're stupid. Yeah, and I said that word out loud in church. God said it. I'm going to agree with it. If you don't listen to correction, and honest, we get defensive. I appreciate Linda being honest about it. We don't like to be corrected. We don't like somebody saying, well, you need to do this or need to do that. No. What we've got to learn to do is that person that's correcting us is helping us. They're not attacking us. They're helping us. They're making, us, they're making me smarter when they correct me. All right, last call. Tell me something you saw. Can anybody give me an example, real life example, from your life, preferably instead of somebody else's, where you didn't? It didn't get better until you humbled yourself. It didn't get better. <coughs> God didn't start to work it out until you humbled yourself. In addictions, it's, it's got to start there, right? 
But it's not just in substance abuse. It's not just in substance abuse. Uh, after my world blew up, after, well, my world hadn't blown up yet. It just had become known it was beginning to crumble. I got a call from a well-known preacher. Those of you who are church folks, if I mentioned his name, you'd know who I was talking about. He called me because we had spoken lots of times over the years on workshops and seminars and that kind of stuff, been on the same podium in the same program a jillion times. He heard something and he called me and he said, Rex, listen, let me tell you this. Don't say anything. Don't admit to anything. Just let it pass. And I quote, and you'll be back on the circuit within three to six months. I know he's telling the truth because I know those guys that are, quote, on the circuit. And I know things about those guys that are on the circuit. I remember hanging up and thinking and telling God in that bedroom, no, I'm not going to do that, God. And I wrote letters to everybody I knew. I've sent emails to everybody I knew. I've said it so often in here that some of you have said, why don't you quit talking about it? I'm never going to quit talking about it because I never want to forget the foolish, shameful, damaging thing I did. It's what ruined my life. Now, if there is a better, if things are better, it's because of God. If there is honor, it came from God. My job is the humility. His job is the honor. Let's take care of us. I think what I said a second ago may, would make it sound like I was humbled. I, I don't. I won't ascribe any. I'm the example of nothing good. Just what what to do. I'm the only the only thing I'm an example of is what not to do. But I was humiliated. God did the humbling. I wasn't spiritual, and and I wasn't spiritual. I didn't humble myself. He humiliated me. And I deserved it. And if there is honor, it's his. It's it's on his end, right? Let's tie the knot with this one. And I've commented on all of them. And I, I guess that's the privilege you get when you're the guy that has to stand up front and stand through the whole meeting. You know. Why don't you look at verse sixteen? I watched. 
some of this in my life and I watched it in some other people. And verse 16 could help and heal some of us and some of our families. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. How many of us have gotten ourselves in a bind because we wanted too much, bought too much, extended, overextended ourselves, and we wear ourselves out trying to keep up with an image, a debt load, um, a status in life, when if we just humbled ourselves, if we just said, no, 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 I'm going to go back. Let's have little. Let's go back with the fear of the Lord. Better is little with the, than great wealth with turmoil. How many of us have put ourselves in desperate situations because we were trying to either gain great wealth or pretend that we had great wealth? I'll let you talk. That strike anybody familiar? What's it do to you? You understand what Lynn's saying? You become a slave to it. You mortgage your future yeah. when your debt de demands that you get up and do this today or make this much today or pay this much today for something that's already been spent, something that's already been used, something that has no benefit now to you at all. You put yourself in turmoil and anxiety it, and it causes tension in your family. Um, anybody else that sound familiar with? And I, there's a trap there. And the reason I know about this trap is because I'm a real deep spiritual theological... Re <laughs> well, I've already gone this far. I've already invested this much time. I've already spent this much money. So the conclusion is... Go big or go home. I don't, I don't know what this year will bring. 
I do not know what this year will bring. I'll let you read the papers. I'll let you listen to the talk shows. I don't know. I'm, I got no predictions about anything. You know, markets and money, economy, none of that. None of that is tied to what I'm about to say. This is a year I want to make sure that my little is secured with the fear of the Lord and that my wants for more don't cause trouble. Pray that for me, please. I want that wisdom. I purpose today to say this at every meeting and then we'll remember Jesus. One of the ways God gives us wisdom is through other people. And we've talked about it with addictions. I think it's time for us to talk to about it, about attitudes toward our mates. I think it's time for us to talk about it and when it comes to our budgets and our bills and that kind of thing. There are people that have been through this trauma. If you can find somebody who has been through it and overcome the trauma, attach to them. You stand right by them. Tell me what you did. How'd you do that? What can I do? Can you, tell me. Can you give me some advice? And just wear them out until they help you. And if they won't help you, you let me know. We'll kick them in the throat till they do help you, right? But on the flip side of that, there are people who've never been in that trouble. Find them. Find the one that's never been in that trouble and say, how'd you keep from getting in that trouble? And follow them around. You need it on both sides, don't you? You need the person that understands the foolish and shameful and terrible way you feel, but you also need the person that can tell you, I can tell you how to never get back into this because they've, they've lived their lives that way. I tell my little guys at jail all the time, I said, I can guarantee you if, you, if you'll just listen to me, I can guarantee you you'll never go to jail again, ever. How can you say that? I said, I'm telling you, I've never been in jail. I'm 64 years old and never been in jail. You're 12 and been in here five times. I promise you, if you listen to me, I can guarantee you, one, stop being a criminal because you're lousy at it. But that, that's another story, all right? <laughs> Find somebody who's been through it and overcome it and walk with them, learn with them, and learn from them. And then find somebody who's never had that trouble and try to be just like them. Of course, the best example of all of that is Jesus, right? Let's remember Him.